Let me tell you a story, podcast number two. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. It was the age of wisdom. Some years ago. It was the age of Never mind it is a how truth long it was. You don't know about me without you. Welcome to Let Me Tell You a Story with hosts Steve and Becky Lyle. Settle back into your seat, step onto your favorite fitness machine, or lace up your walking shoes, and enjoy stories from a variety of genres and authors. Hi, I'm Steve. Hi, I'm Becky. Welcome to our second Let Me Tell You a Story podcast. Today, we're reading stories about dads. Steve wrote our first piece to honor his father, who passed away last year. I'm calling it Remembering Dad. My dad had the right priorities. He was a great husband and father. Dad was ambitious. When he was at work, he gave it all he had. When he was home, he did the same. He was a master of do it now. Procrastination was not his style. He never passed up an opportunity to better the family and never seemed to think of himself. He didn't like to hear the word can't. I don't know how many times I heard him say with his Alabama accent, you can't say can't. He was a doer, not a watcher. He got his hands greasy and more engines than I could count for seminary students who were not able to pay him a thing. All they could do was say thank you. But when Dad smiled, you could see the words paid in full all over his face. Dad rolled with the punches. He moved from Alabama to California and from job to job. He learned from each new challenge. From farm to freeway, he never missed a beat. He had the attitude that he could handle whatever came his way, and he did with aplomb. When I think of my dad, I think of him as a fighter. He was able able to overcome the obstacles that would have set back many people. But to him, it was all in a day's work. But he was gentle, too. I remember getting up on his lap when I was a lot smaller. And he'd bounce me on his knee. There are many things about my childhood that have long escaped my recall, but that memory is still vivid. Dad had a great sense of humor. It was fun to see him when he lost control and laughed so hard he cried. Although my dad is now gone, that's only true in the physical sense. To my heart, he's much closer, emotionally, financially, spiritually. Dad brought us up better than he was raised. He overcame and stopped the cycle of poverty and abuse. While he taught some lessons with his lips, most he passed on to me and my siblings with his life. We just needed to watch and emulate. That was the path to maturity. Dad lived a life of humility, but I'm proud. I'm proud of him. He was a good parent who was never a casual observer in our lives. He was much more than a father. He was a dad who cared about and encouraged his kids. No publisher ever approached him to write his memoirs. He was never recognized as an athlete, a musician, or an actor. He never received accolades for singing a song, for writing a poem, or for serving in Congress. But he was my hero in my home, the legend in my life. I aspire now to live like he lived, to dream as he dreamed, to pursue and to conquer as he did, to have his vision. I pray that I'll leave a legacy to my children as he did for me, that I would would have not only his longevity, 
but that as an heir to his honesty and honor, I would pass those attributes to my descendants, that I would live out his integrity and generosity, that I would always demonstrate his decency and dignity. If I could talk to him now, I'd say, Dad, you gave me gifts with no price tags. Thanks for sharing your long, generous, blessed life with us. And though I can never say it enough, I love you. Steve's dad really was a sweet man, and I was blessed to have him for my father-in-law for, for many, many years. Um, my next, or our next story is by my friend and critique partner, Val Gray who writes about her stepfather in a fictionalized account of a trip that they took together. She titled it, John Wayne Lives. Noreen eased the old Cadillac onto the San Diego freeway and switched on the radio. She glanced at her elderly father-in-law, who sat in the passenger seat, jiggling his legs and rubbing the tops of his thighs. She patted his arm. Relax, Dad. We'll be there in half an hour. He drummed the armrest with his fingers. If I ever find out who stole my winnings, well, they just better hope I don't. Eyebrows low, he glowered at the traffic ahead of them. What winnings? Noreen knew he was talking about the scam letter he kept in his wallet, but she couldn't think of another way to respond. She signaled a lane change and merged the car toward the center lane. He pulled his billfold from his back pocket, retrieved the tattered letter, and carefully unfolded it. This says I won the lottery, a hundred thousand dollars. He pursed his lips. I'll know who stole my money when I see them driving a shiny new Cadillac. With that, he dropped the letter and peered around the interior of the car, as if it's seeing it for the first time. Like this one. He ran a finger over the dashboard, down the glove box, and across the upholstered door panel. Noreen sighed. Dad, you know this was my father's car. Don't you just love the leather smell? She flipped the blinker again. Here's our off-ramp. She maneuvered into the exit lane. In case you forgot, this car is 13 years old. He huffed. Huh. Doesn't look like it. Without warning, he upped the radio volume. Quiet. We have to listen to this. The commercial blasted so loud, Noreen's eardrums vibrated. But she forced a smile. Oh, Dad, a John Wayne film festival. She turned down the sound. I'll make sure you get to watch it. Her father-in-law loved John Wayne movies. But instead of being pleased, he groaned. Oh, did you hear what they said? They talked about the Duke like he's dead. He clutched the top of his head. Noreen wondered if he was trying to keep it from blowing off. I'm going to write me a letter, he declared. Those people get, will get a piece of my mind. His blue eyes widened. He isn't dead. I just saw him on television yesterday. If John Wayne were dead, which he's not, he'd be rolling over in his grave. Jaw clamped, he opened the glove box and dug around inside it. Here's a pen. Honey, do you have a piece of paper? I'll insist they make a public apology to the Duke and all his fans. He closed the glove box and picked up the letter he'd dropped. This doesn't look important. Do you mind if I use it? 
No, go ahead. Noreen waited for the light at the base of the ramp to change, whatever it took to make him forget the sweepstakes. Using his knee for a table, her father-in-law scribbled frantically on the blank side of the paper, vocalizing every word. Dear sirs, how dare you run a commercial that insinuates the death of John Wayne. I'm sure he's as mad as I am. Or madder. The car bumped over a manhole cover, causing him to punch a hole in the paper, but that didn't seem to faze him. I request an apology to be aired on this radio station, he continued, to be made to the Duke and his family, friends, and fans. He held up the note. Honey, does that sound right? I'm so mad at them. He snorted. I just can't believe anyone would do that to him. John Wayne will no doubt sue them. For a long moment, he glared at the radio, but then he folded the paper and put it in his shirt pocket. Noreen smiled. With any luck, the letter would still be in his pocket when she did the laundry, and she could toss it, or better yet, shred it. She slowed to enter the VA hospital's parking lot. What should she do? Tell her father-in-law his hero was dead? Or leave it alone? Um, Dad? What, honey? He sounded worried. Something wrong? Noreen pulled into the parking space, switched off the engine, and turned to him. Yes, Dad, there is something wrong. He lifted his chin as if bracing himself for the worst. Go ahead. Tell me. What's happened? She looked directly into his blue eyes. Well, you know, you're going to have some tests today to see how well your mind is working, right? He nodded, but moisture gathered at the corners of his eyes. They won't hurt you, but they're going to ask you a bunch of questions about life and facts about the date, the year, the president, things like that. He sunk into his seat, drawing his chin in like a turtle retreating into its shell. Are they going to ask me about John Wayne? No, probably not. She took his wrinkled hand in hers. But you're very upset about John Wayne, aren't you? You bet, he raised his bushy eyebrows. I'm going to write them and give them what for. Can I use the typewriter when I get home? Sure, but I need to tell you something first. She released his hand and watched him for a moment. What if the news rattled him so much it skewed the test results? You're here for tests, but I think you're too upset to go through with them today. Maybe we should cancel. Doll, it takes too long to get appointments in this place. Let's just get it over with. He crossed his arms. Tell me what you're going to tell me. Let's get on with it. Noreen took a deep breath, closed her eyes, and prayed silently. God help him. Dad... It's about John Wayne. What about him? He died. There, she'd said it. His mouth dropped open. No, honey, not John Wayne. Tears pooled in his eyes. When? Tell me when. She couldn't help it. She started to cry, too. I'm not sure, but it was some time ago. Maybe 20 years. Oops. Had she said too much, she clamped her lips together, forbidding anything else to come out. This can't be true, he sniffed. How'd he die? Noreen found a tissue in her purse and blew her nose. Cancer, I think. 
Tell me it's not true. Please, honey, please. But then he stopped and stared at her. Am I that far gone? Noreen felt terrible for breaking her father-in-law's heart, but before she could respond, he bowed his head. After several minutes of silence, she tapped his shoulder. Dad, we have to get to our appointment. Are you ready? He blinked and looked around. Oh, we're at the VA already. Did I sleep all the way here? You mostly listened to the radio and dozed off and on. She stroked the seat cushion between them. It's hard not to fall asleep in these comfortable leather seats. Yep, this is some car your dad gave you. He released his seatbelt. Okay, let's go. What are they doing to me today? Do you know? They're going to ask you a few questions, that's all. Let's get going, darling. He opened the car door. There's a John Wayne festival this afternoon, and I don't want to miss it. That man is the greatest actor alive today. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, that's a good one. I like that. Uh, we stole some dad quotes off the Internet, and here are a couple good ones. By Douglas MacArthur, uh, by profession, I am a soldier and take pride in that fact. But I am prouder, infinitely prouder, to be a father. A soldier destroys in order to build. The father only builds, never destroys. The one has the potentiality of death. The other embodies creation and life. And while the hordes of death are mighty, the battalions of life are mightier still. It is my hope that my son, when I am gone, will remember me, remember me not from the battlefield, but in the home, repeating with him our simple daily prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven. This one has no name. It's anonymous. One night a father overheard his son pray, Dear God, make me the kind of man my daddy is. Later that night, the father prayed, Dear God, Make me the kind of man my son wants me to be. During our first podcast, we read one of our friend Pam McCleary's stories. Today, we want to read another one by her. This one is titled, The Yellow Cab. The last time I was back home again in Indiana, my aunt and uncle drove me by several of my childhood homes. As we paused in front of house after house, I was filled with conflicting emotions. Deep, silent laughter collided with rising tension. This wasn't just a stroll down memory lane. It was my life, most of which was safely tucked into a deserted corner of my mind. Some of the houses we passed were empty. Like them, that secret nook in my brain was abandoned, yet full of unclaimed memories. Probably the most vivid of these memories came from the house on West Adams in Plymouth, Indiana. My family moved there in 1954 when I was about four years old. The six of us were all together back then. Times were tough, but my three siblings and I didn't know it. Things were just the way they were. My father drove a taxi in those days. I remember standing at the screen door, looking through the storm window, waiting for the yellow cab to bring him home after dinner, bring him home for dinner. Sometimes I eagerly awaited his arrival. Other times I dreaded it, because Mother had, once again, threatened me with, 
Just you wait until your father gets home. Once inside the house, my dad would hand mom the groceries for dinner and then soak in the old clawfoot bathtub for hours. I don't remember much about our evenings, only that I felt relieved we were all home together. However, my relief was short-lived, for Dad eventually stopped coming home most nights, and when he did, it was late and I saw little of him. One Saturday morning, Dad and Mom began arguing, something they never did in front of us. Maybe they never argued at all. I don't know, because Mom kept her feelings bottled up inside. Just because you're miserable, she'd say, doesn't give you the right to make everyone else miserable. It must have been the German in her. She was always so stoic. I don't know what time Dad had returned home the night before, but that morning he was sitting at the table, his head in his hands. I wondered if he was tired, but maybe he was just tired of it all. I knew my mother had had it with him when he asked for breakfast and she told him to get it himself. Instead, he got up, walked outside, and sat on the stoop. With a child's wisdom, I knew something bad was happening, and I tried to make things better. I got out my little Betty Crocker play stove that cooked by the heat of a light bulb and made my dad some instant coffee, eggs, and toast. The coffee, thick and black against the white ceramic mug, was lukewarm, and the eggs were cooked very, very over-easy. But he ate it all, and then he hugged me. It was the first time I remember him holding me. But then he left. After that morning, I stood many evenings at our screen door, but the yellow cab never again stopped in front of our house. Well, here's one more quote, this one by Harry Truman. I have found the best way to give advice to your children is to find out what they want and then advise them to do it. (laughs) Good one. A little bit about my father. Uh, He passed away several years ago. He was and still is a great influence in my writing. He loved to read, a love that was birthed and nurtured by his teacher in the one-room schoolhouse He and his seven siblings attended on a lonely, windy Wyoming prairie. Every school day afternoon, she read a chapter from a book to her handful of students. I can picture the kids huddled around a wood-burning stove, so enthralled with the story they didn't hear the crackling logs or the wind howling through the gaps around the doors and the windows of the schoolhouse. My dad didn't think much of math or geography, but he lived for story time. He also had a wonderful reading voice. I loved bedtime when he wasn't working overtime and could be home to read books like Black Beauty and My Friend Flicka to me and my four siblings. Can you tell he was also fond of horses? One of his favorite authors was Zane Grey. I think he read every Zane Grey book ever printed. Every Zane Grey book ever printed, including Thundering Herd, which I refer to in my novels about Wyoming. Uh, The first book in that series was dedicated, in part, to both my parents. Here's what I wrote. Winds of Wyoming is dedicated to the memory of my parents, Carol and Lawrence Carey, who grew up on Wyoming homesteads and taught me to love God, family, 
and Wyoming. Well, that's it for this time. So thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and go live your story. Thanks for listening. You can find more of Becky Lyles under the pen name Rebecca Carey Lyles. Her most recent novels, Winds of Wyoming and Winds of Freedom, have both won awards and made the Amazon bestselling list. Steve, well, he just really needs to get his stuff published. If you have comments or suggestions, send them to story at beckyliles.com. Tune in next week for more tall tales and fun fables at Let Me Tell You a Story.